Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The weather thing was a bit different because it was just the two of us kind of thing and we were down there I'm going to play a drinking game uh, this time on the podcast if that's okay uh, every time my voice breaks I'm going to take a sip of tea uh, and so that was one so I'm going to take one one sip of tea hang on uh, I've got a lemon <laughs> and ginger on the go as well good uh, <laughs> I've got straight gin so I'm going to be really merry by the end of this do you actually <laughs> Joking. Uh, <laughs> it was a joke. Um, I so the slow weather stuff. We were staying in the studio that we were recording in, so I can't really remember. I mean, we, we I can't really remember. Annie, did we do fairly straight days, or did we end up going really late at night? I can't really remember. We we really. I don't think it was very straight. I think it was like we tried to do sort of eleven or twelve till six, and then we'd get dinner, and then kind of come back a lot of the time if other bands weren't in. But sometimes yeah. I think the sort of later night sessions were really productive. And, you know, especially after like possibly a wee drink or something, yeah. you sometimes got way more done. It was quite good. Yeah, always. Um, like it's different if it, when I'm producing other people or whatever. But if it's like my own stuff or, or things like slow weather, I always end up doing loads really late at night. Like I think almost all like a good 80% of both Catholic action albums were probably done between the hours of eleven o'clock and five in the morning, which is really nuts. I mean, I've tried to sort my sleeping pattern a bit more this year, but yeah, I just I'm just a bit of a night owl. I always get into that kind of zone at like eleven o'clock. I get this burst of energy and focus much more so than I do during the day. I I do as well. Not maybe in the case of going till five in the morning. I'm definitely a bit kind of. I've got less um 
stamina than that. But I'd say around 10, 11 p.m., I'm pro- that's probably the most awake I am all day. It's really, really weird. And then I can't sleep. And it just takes me all day to wake up. <laughs> I think it's the... I, I've been, like, sort of normal up until this point this year. But the past month, I've just, yeah, I've went, totally went back to my, like, night owl ways. So I've been working on those demos every night at, like, 11 until I get too tired kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's the the weather as well it's just like the weather is such that you wake up in the morning at the moment and just go oh forget it you know yeah. <laughs> just so it's so great but yeah we love we love the weather that's why we called uh, the band <laughs> no it's not i'm so glad you were saying because i was like do i make this joke do i do it do i no i'm not going to but you did it so well done thanks <laughs> i think there's something something about the night as well when no one else is awake and it's that weird kind of creative isolation when there's like no distractions and you can you can really just hone in on it yeah mm. you don't feel like doing the dishes late at night there's like a cutoff point like if you've not if you've not done the dishes by eight o'clock nine o'clock they're not going to get done you know what i mean you're not going to start doing the dishes at 11 o'clock <laughs> nah I'd- I disagree. Really? You're late night? I always have to have all the dishes done before I go to bed, apart from maybe like a cup of tea or whatever, but like all the the bulk of the main stuff, that's got to be done. I can't have dirty dishes sitting out before I go to bed. I try and... Are you a dish man? Are you, are you, do you enjoy the dishes or is it just a sort of this needs I think done? it can be quite, quite therapeutic. Like if you stick on a podcast and you just do the dishes, it's like a tiny sense of accomplishment of having done something. Yeah, I, I, I try, <laughs> I try and keep it up. My girlfriend encourages me to do that. She says you should do the dishes. <laughs> you know, um, you shouldn't leave dishes overnight. And I do try, and it does, like you said, it does give me an enormous sense of achievement when I wake up the next day, and it's like, oh, I can just make breakfast. I don't have to do the dishes. But if I, I've got this little room in my flat where I do a lot of my work, and we even did, we actually did some of this low weather stuff in here, like the final like keyboard parts, I think, and maybe some guitar parts. I can't really remember. We did do some stuff, and we mixed it in this little room so i kind of i've got this thing where during the day like and i just oh wait my voice broke again i'm gonna have some more tea hold on <laughs> um okay i do this thing where like I, I just won't do any like work till in the evening because i feel like i have to do all these chores unless it's working with someone else in which case i'll just work you know normal hours it's, it's true though yeah i think uh, during the day or something though if if you're surrounded by mess or dishes like maybe this is just a, quite an obvious thing but it does just make you feel a bit anxious and I think I do work better from not having to worry about that kind of thing and yeah I, I agree with the cutoff I think if you're in that sort of Netflix or music mode past about 9 p.m you kind of don't want to do anything else at least at least for me you can do you can do music guilt free at that time because you're like well no one's going to do the dishes at 11 o'clock i'm not expected to do the dishes at 11 o'clock i can i can sit and work on my stuff (laughs) and don't have to think about it (laughs) the pressure's off yeah were you even going into the studio like overnight and stuff when you were where did you do this was it chem 19 again was that where the slow weather ep was mostly done we done the slow weather ep down in london yeah, we just went, there's a studio that I work in down there quite a lot called Hermitage Works. I'd done some of the Catholic action stuff there in the past and I'd done some stuff with like Walt Disco and, and Medicine Cabinet and, and a couple of other people there in the past. And we just thought it would be good for us to just go away and just focus on it for a while. So we went down for like, was it 10 days or something like something like that? Yeah, I think we had about two days off in the middle, but it was pretty much like full on most of that time um and I kind of lived at the studio a little bit 
for that time. But yeah, I think it was definitely worth it for, like you say, the immersion and also the, the analogue sound. I think hopefully you can kind of hear that warm vintage thing. I don't know if I'm just overanalyzing it, but I think that I really like the, the sound of that anyway. It was like an old Trident mixing desk that we recorded everything through, so it sounds quite nice. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a nice studio. I think Annie, you slept on a couch downstairs and I slept on a, like a sort of really disgusting <laughs> rollout mattress. <laughs> How do you switch off though if you're living in the same place that you're creating this thing? Are you not like kind of just immersed in it completely and is it tough to kind of get a break from it? it the studio's right across from Finsbury Park, so we go to the park quite a lot and there's some like nice pubs and stuff nearby. I mean, I quite like the like immersion thing for my own from my own stuff like if it's something i'm doing or even if it's a an album for instance we done the savage mansion album weird country at that same studio in london and we went down again for like two weeks i think and and just didn't really do anything else apart from the album so that it can be quite good if it's the right kind of project for it yeah i i think it's quite a quite an introverted person i think when i first got there it was a really cool studio but i think i was slightly intimidated not just to be like in London but just just to be in like a brand new environment that I didn't know but I think it it was definitely one of the most intense experiences I've had but also I think some of my favorite things have come out of really intense periods of time so by which I mean I, I think that you can hopefully hear the energy and and hear the sort of commitment to it all in the in the record because I think I don't know if it would have had that if we were just doing it over a few months, like back and forth. Like I think it is quite immediate. Yeah, I think like the the nature of the way we recorded it allowed it to allowed the sound to develop in in a way that it did. You know, like like you said, Annie, it kind of it would. I don't know if it would sound as cohesive if we did it, or I don't know if the sound that we the sort of aesthetic of it would have been as intense. Not that it's like an intense sounding record, but it definitely has like a sonic stamp to it. Yeah, all the raw stuff was done, all the raw stuff for sure was done, yeah, in the same place. And, you know, all the drums were done in quite a short space of time. So hopefully that, yeah, hopefully that's kind of cohesive. Yeah, we done the drums in like four hours or something, one afternoon. <laughs> what, for all five tracks? Yeah, I'm a pro. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what was the structure of that 10 days like? Is it the first, did you kind of have, the, were the songs pinned down when you got there? Or did you kind of give them a little bit of room to breathe and develop in the studio? What was the, what's your kind of first day when you're It was there? definitely yeah. a, they were not done in, in that we had the songs definitely and we were happy with them, but we definitely wanted to do the bulk of it there. I think, yeah, kind of experiment with sounds. And I remember like one of the, one of the tracks in particular, just, I remember it was kind of working, but it, but both of us were a bit like it's not quite there, and I think Chris like changed the the frequency of it or something and made it really bassy and low and just took everything out of it, and suddenly it was it was working, and I think that was a good example for how a lot of it went. It was like just just kind of working out what what this was going to be. I, I think another time as well, I literally went out for five minutes to have some tea or something, and I came back in and Chris had like. <laughs> He'd written this like guitar solo and like la la la's and just this this crazy big section and I was just like what 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 is this this is amazing <laughs> like there's just lots of moments like that I think. What song was that for? Uh, Great White Male. <laughs> yeah, and then I think the song earlier with a big we just we just chucked a big synth filter over the whole mix. I think was that 
What's the what was the name of that track, honey? I uh, want to know. Yeah, Chris. Want to Chris know? Yeah. Producer and I don't, so please excuse my terminology. <laughs> it's good though. It's good. Um. Yeah. We. Yeah. We just slapped a big, big bloody synth filter on it and just kind of, just kind of worked. But no, I think um because again we were speaking about this to someone else the other day when we set out to do it like we never really had like I mean the 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 five songs on the EP or the, the order that the five songs were written in. And when we met up to write them, we didn't really go, oh, let's do something like this. We kind of had a, we maybe didn't, we had a short conversation about kind of the sonic of it and stuff, but it wasn't really like something that we'd planned out loads. So again, we'd left loads of room for like maneuver and arrangement and stuff to be done actually in the studio. And I think it's, again, I think it's nice that, and I think it's a sort of testament to how we, we work together that it kind of turned out in such a sort of cohesive and interesting way, even though it wasn't really planned, it was just kind of became a sort of amalgamation of the things that we're both into, even though those things can be quite disparate at times. I mean, it's fascinating that it was chronological, like the way that the, the, the track is listed, it was structured in that way, because Want to Know feels like such a kind of perfect opener to it, and Clean Living is this kind of grandiose, you know, finishing piece. This conclusion to thanks, it. Thanks for saying that. Um, yeah, because I just remember feeling really strongly about that, that, you know, if we just keep it, the order we wrote it, we it, you can kind of hear the progression, I think, of it just building through. Yeah, it was funny because I think you'd kind of put it together, like the sequence, and then after you'd put it together, we were like, oh, that's the order that we wrote them in. That's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's quite cool because you can kind of hear us becoming... A sort of more distilled version of slow weather as the EP goes on, I think. So by like clean living, it's like it's taken on this new life. I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. And I think you can see by the time you get to clean living, there are kind of elements of the other songs that carry through into it as well. Like it's kind of almost an amalgamation of a lot of the stuff that's come before it. I think by that point, it feels kind of together and it's very much its own thing. I think as well. Though, I know you were saying before that you don't think of the EP as like an intense listen, but I mean the end of clean living that song when it kind of builds is quite sinister but it just it keeps building and building it's how could i let this is it how could i let this happen to us yeah yeah oh just over and over again <laughs> how how did that ending kind of build in the studio what was the kind of process for that forming we wanted a big long ending thing because we when we wrote this song we just ended up jamming on that bit for ages and we thought you know what this is actually just really cool and then i think in the studio it's like I think we layered your voice about eight times or something like that, <laughs> honey. I can't remember. I mean, it was a lot. Yeah. I think I've said this before, but that was definitely the coven. I think you were calling it. It was the the witchy the witchy voices coming out. Yeah. So is that just Annie? Is that just you singing on the end of it? Or Chris, are you I'm kind of underneath? Chris comes in, yeah, sort of maybe like a quarter of the way in or something. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm buried in there, but yeah. I'm in there somewhere, I think. That's one of the things I really like about it, though, is that the vocals kind of merge with each other a lot of the time across it. And you can't, sometimes you're kind of left to work out whether the vocals are just layered or whether both of you are singing or what's kind of going on. Nice. And it gives it a kind of a cool personality about it. Yeah, because we'd never really sang together before or anything. We just kind of sort of got on, got on well and, and then decided to write some songs together. It just sort of, it's kind of just a happy accident that our voices work together. Yeah, and I think another thing that just while we're talking about it, I think I think the EP is still pretty raw. Sorry, I know that's a really overused term, but I I think it still is quite, you know, it's not like immaculate and perfect and poppy, but I think that's kind of what we're both about. I think as long as the 
the feeling of the song is there and, and the sort of mood and feeling of what we're trying to get across is there. I think that's kind of what's important to me and I imagine what's kind of important to Chris. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I think I remember one of the things we both agreed on before we went into the studio is that we wanted it to sound organic. My favourite, any anything that introduced, any, any music that has sort of electronic elements to it, to me is only interesting if it sounds organic or human like if you know if you hear a synth part of something and you're like a human could sing that yeah i could yeah and i think it's quite yeah it's just a super it's super raw it's super organic sound and it's not like overproduced or anything yeah i don't i can't even imagine what it would sound like overproduced i think i don't know i mean uh, it's not really the kind of thing that either of us are really into anyway is it no i think we both like bands that are very I think we probably spoke about this the other week, man, but like things that are just kind of very much <laughs> in their own wee world. Yeah. You know, and I think we wanted to kind of build that for ourselves. Um, and part of that for us was making things sound or- organic and quite natural. I mean, it's interesting what you were saying there is all about, you know, electronic music that sounds organic. What sort of examples and things were you kind of referencing when you were, when you were having discussions about that and wanting the electronic stuff on it to sound organic? I really like a lot of like the early kind of synth stuff or like the kind of kraut rock bands that would use synths like harmonia oh there goes my voice again hold on i'm just gonna have a sip of tea <laughs> um i think for the brian place. eno was was in there he was brought up i think yeah eno's synths always sound you know whether it's the ambient stuff or his own stuff they always sound kind of lush and organic they sound like they, they sound like they've been like grown in a forest and plucked off a tree and then recorded um god that was pretentious but that's how <laughs> yeah, I, that's how I think, yeah. yeah so like or even like more more like i really loved the, the you know the third portishead album i thought was amazing and that was quite lo-fi had tons of electronics on it and programming but was really really organic sounding yeah Je- like brian eno and, and jeff barrow are two producers in particular that do a lot of electronic things but have it retain a kind of really natural quality i am um, i don't know if this crosses over to you chris but i also quite like sort of aphex twin radiohead slash tom york kind of stuff and i'm not like a super fan in that you know i can't name every song and i i don't wouldn't say i was a big radiohead fan in sense of knowledge but i think uh, yeah I'd, i also quite like how a lot of the ways that the stuff's been produced is, is really odd or really kind of scratchy and and yeah kind of human the voice is well supported by the electronic production or the synths i think that that can be really cool or if it's just um very ambient and kind of you can kind of lose yourself in it i think i'm kind of attracted to to stuff like that i think it's it's really judgmental of me but i think a lot of chart stuff just really makes me quite disinterested quite quickly if it's just very like very blocky and you can almost imagine someone copying pasting the on the grid over and over and that's what what kind of stops me from enjoying some stuff nowadays yeah yeah so the end of the end of clean living <laughs> just to clarify there's there's absolutely no copying and pasting there <laughs> I think, Annie, you you did you sang through all of that at least eight times probably more uh, yeah i think that that radiohead album moonshaped pool i thought now that you've said that like i thought that was a really cool record for having a lot of electronic elements but still retaining the feel of like five or i don't know how many people are in the band five five people playing in a room together it's got a really cool atmosphere about it that record like it's got a very 
distinct kind of tone and feel to it. First listen to it in the best possible setting for it. Like, I listened to it, I'd rented it, I was in Iceland and I'd rented a car. My girlfriend and I at the time drove, like, right out into the middle of nowhere and just had that album on. It was it was incredible. That's the way to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it just came out and I think she downloaded it or something and I'd not because I wanted to like sit and listen to it properly and I was like, no, nah, this is this is the perfect the perfect opportunity to do that. So kind of good memories for me that record. Quite an intense listening experience though. <laughs> yeah. Perfect perfect setting. Do you remember the first time you heard the Slow Weather EP once you'd finished it from start to finish and you kind of sat down and listened to it? Yeah, it'd be great to hear where you were, Chris, because I can remember like where I was when I did that and just being like, yeah, and just like a feeling of it's finally there. But I I just had some sort of cheap, rubbishy headphones on, um, which I think I then swapped to better ones and then was just sitting by the window and I could just hear it like... It was definitely just at the at the best point it could have been so far, and just a feeling of like relief where I was like, I think we've kind of done what we wanted to do. Um, and I think every time I listen to it now, like I, it's nice because I can still hear things I could have done better, etc. But like, I'm still happy with it, which is not the case for some other things I've done. So, but yeah, it'd be good to hear what you remember, Chris, when you listen to it. I have two, like one. There was one time I'm sure me, you and Ailish sat and listened to it when we'd finished mixing it and it was the three of us and we were sitting in my living room and we just played through it. I remember that being like, oh yeah, this is cool because it's really hard when you're like in the midst of, because we were, remember we we were doing like the last few overdubs and then kind of mixing it and then, you know, when you, when you finally sit down and like take a step back and play it, I remember, I remember being like, yeah, this is cool at that moment and then I remember yeah sticking the the test pressing on as well and just sitting down and playing it cover to cover and yeah that was cool how's it split on the record what's on each side do I think it's um the first three tracks and then I think it starts with Lisbon into clean living because clean living is really long I think that's the split I guess you've kind of got that natural uh close it aside a then with great uh white male like it's kind of the it's almost at like the centerpiece of the EP. Like it's it feels quite nicely positioned right in the middle of it. Nice. <laughs> it's an interesting one, Great White Male, because you see that title, you kind of think of like connotations of toxic masculinity and that kind of, for lack of a better description, Joe Rogan kind of bro <laughs> culture. <laughs> but it feels more. It's kind of more like introspective and and self deprecating. Was that quite a personal autobiographical song, or was that written from like the point of view of a character, or what was the kind of narrative of that track? Yeah, it was a wee bit autobiographical, I suppose, or a little bit. It kind of took its cue from that feeling dissatisfied with what you've done artistically, but feeling, you know, you can. It's quite easy to get sucked into some kind of like entitled mindset, and it's quite easy to forget why you do it you know why you make music or, or, or art in the first place and I think it's important to always remember why you do it or to to keep that original motivation close I think because it's very 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 easy to lose it especially if you if you get sucked into any kind of industry side of things or money gets involved and stuff like that um it can it can quickly kind of become soul destroying and ego can can get in the way um, but I really like, yeah, just kind of 
came full circle with all that stuff and I've really kind of got to the point where again I'm sure we spoke about this is there's there's really no point in doing it for me unless it's for me unless it's something that I'm actually enjoying and it feels real you can read it as autobiographical I think we've all got that sort of darker more better sides to us but I think you could also read it as a, a maybe a character study as well like a like an exaggerated kind of caricature of someone like that who who is literally like yeah you owe me this you you owe me that achievement it I'm I basically expect all this stuff and I don't really care what I need to do to to get it that's kind of what I had in my mind um everyone is capable of being like that which is a bit scary but I think there are there are people out there who are genuinely like that which is a bit a bit terrifying um and don't don't have any awareness that they're like that either yeah I mean it does like like what you're saying there about it being a character study it does have it's almost like the 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 perspective of it is a little bit objective it's almost like an out-of-body experience like the, the, the kind of perspective of the songwriter in it yeah yeah I guess so I mean or even just maybe this is through a lot of the EP but even just yeah the the thoughts of of the person milling around without a lot of structure just yeah without without it being feel, filtered or prettied up it's kind of just <laughs> this person being like yeah this is kind of who I am what I'm about I'm better this is what I want and yeah I can quite a sinister undertone to that I think I remember Chris with the production it's like we were trying to get that kind of sinister but slightly black humor thing out of it yeah I think the the whole like solo section's a bit tongue-in-cheek isn't it it's kind of, <laughs> the way it kind of turns around like that and with the, the la la la's and stuff it's a bit like silly but in a good way it comes back to that idea of the known wink that we spoke about last time yeah yeah it's a total like catholic action thing isn't it like kind of a bit of fun in there how did that work for you guys then because like what we're saying there about that that known wink being this like kind of catholic action thing you both have incredibly kind of distinct personalities and you know we were speaking about worlds earlier when it comes to your own separate projects were there any challenges when it came to kind of melding those personalities together for this project those musical personalities i wouldn't say massively i think we kind of well in terms of like lyric writing for example when we were just writing the songs i I thought we balanced each other out quite nicely because i would kind of tend to more like lean on things like turns of phrase and things that just sound cool to me and he's really good at fitting that kind of thing into a narrative that makes sense whereas i'm just not i'd be quite happily i'd quite happily make a song that doesn't really make sense to anyone but me um because it sounds cool or just as a series of sort of cool images whereas i feel you were kind of a lot more narrative focused and it kind of brought out it it like i think we balanced each other out really nicely in, in that way yeah it felt very um pretty like really easy at the time to be honest and given we'd never written together like that sometimes it would even be like line by line like one person would write a line followed by the other another thing as well is yeah I think I am slightly more narrative focused even if it's subconscious but even just having phrases that are maybe a bit like uh, say like want to know for example just repeating that over and over is not the most profound thing but it, it, it can become profound depending on like you know how the person's feeling when they're listening to it or what you what you kind of get from it it's like trying to combine yeah more specific sentiment with like like a slightly more universal thing as well I think some of my favorite music is 
um, a mixture of the two, like really specific. But you know, you could it could open up to be about anything. And the thing we're repeating that line as well, like you're saying, there is the as you repeat it and as you keep doing it, the kind of emotion of it changes. Like you start to feel something different as it goes on and on, which is what's interesting about That's it. That's cool. It's the, uh, another like total Brian Eno thing. He always talks about you know people people complain about repetition or whatever in music. It's that actually well you hear the repetition from a different perspective every time you hear it. So it is different. You experience it differently as it goes on. So I think that's why that section works. Yeah, and it's like, I, I think it's always really important to follow the song. So whatever, the, it sounds weird, but whatever the song needs, rather than, does this sound like me? Do I sound cool enough? I think it should always be about respecting the mood of the song or just going, yeah, going with the atmosphere of it whether that is a lyrical thing or repeating a sonic idea um, that just takes on more meaning as it as it keeps going. And it's also really good if you're lazy. But... <laughs> 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 Gotta get those hooks, those pop hooks. There was always there was always an element of, oh yeah, we should um yeah, let's let's get the song finished so we can go and have a pint before one of us has to get a train <laughs> home. <laughs> yeah. We were pretty effect like we were very efficient with the songwriting on this. We wrote really quickly. Yeah, and it wasn't like how I'd write on my own at all, I think. I think if I'm on my own, I can either write a song really quickly in terms of maybe like in less than an hour, or it will take me like months on and off and I'll just agonise over it. Whereas I think these were sort of like just sat down, yeah, like a few hours, kind of just back and yeah. forth until it felt done. It happened every time. Why Why do you think that was? Why do you think you were able to kind of get it done in a few hours as opposed to spending months agonising over it? I think it's because we balance each other out. Like, I think whenever one of us would go into that, you know, agonising mode, the other one would snap us out of it, vice versa. And also, there wasn't really, like, it's not like we had any kind of expectations or, like, stylistic limitations either we just kind of met up and wrote songs there wasn't really that much thought put into it yeah and i don't even remember thinking oh we can we can finish this later or something it just it was just sort of enjoying the process i remember i think i just really enjoyed writing those songs so it didn't feel like um like a deadline or anything like that was there anything from from working on this project and kind of having that slightly different process that then carry back into your your own separate songwriting when you went back to that did you kind of learn anything from it that you could carry over i've learned a lot from from chris like huge amounts um different ways to approach songwriting or production stuff or even just all the like musical influences I've kind of nicked off him that I didn't have before meeting him. Um, I kind of shamelessly tried, shame, shamelessly tried to um, incorporate a lot of bands like that into my more, most recent songwriting. Like I've re- really been trying to push myself. So I have, I think I've taken a lot from this experience. Yeah, me too. Like I think whenever I write a song now, I think, <laughs> does it actually make sense? Like if someone was, <laughs> do these words just sound cool when I sing them or do they actually makes sense that's just something i've picked up from this and also the confidence to work really quickly again because i'm i used to work so 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 quickly when i was younger maybe the last few years on my own stuff i've slowed right down and thought about things maybe too much and this kind of snapped me out of that a bit which song on the ep do you think the collaboration works best on and that that idea of the songwriting you kind of you kind of gelling together and pulling each other up in terms of the the narrative one, definitely for me, probably Great White Male. I think Annie really had a big part in 
making that make sense, whereas I was just kind of firing off lines that sounded cool, <laughs> as opposed to like a, a narrative. I, I'm kind of fond of a few of them in different ways. Like, I think Want to Know will always be kind of cool to me because it was the first song we wrote. I just remember Chris handing me, was it an Omnichord, Chris? Um, that, um, yeah. that really cool wee instrument. And, and just I just remember doing some chords because I just remember it was really nice to play and I had no idea what I was doing. So I was just sort of playing it and come up, coming up with a chord progression thing on it. Yes, started singing Want to Know over that, and then we just started writing fr from there. So I just think it it came really nicely together on that one. I think Lisbon as well is another song on the on the record, and I think that one, I think lyrically, it, it, I quite like it because it 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 I think it's quite understated. Um, again, it's quite a repeating chorus, but the the themes that I had in mind when we were writing it, I think. Uh, hopefully will kind of resonate with people um, and it's quite an emotionally yeah resonant kind of song. I got quite emotional when I heard that back on the test press and I think your your vocals are so good on it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah it just really like it just really t touched a nerve when when I listened back to that um, originally on the test pressing. Thank you. I think it really strikes as well because it's one of the few moments on the EP when it's not the two of you singing it it's just Annie and it kind of stands out as a result of that. Yeah, I think that was like maybe a, a studio decision as well. I think for most of the record we've been singing on, on all of it. But yeah, I think there it kind of kind of seemed to make sense. But yeah, I, I'm also just glad, just as a side note, that you've said nice things about it. So thank you, because it's nice that it's kind of weird and nice that people are actually hearing it now. Because we did this quite a long time ago, it's, it's just a really, it's a good feeling. When did you record this? 2001. <laughs> That's the year I was born. <laughs> What? I'm not joking. Damn. Yeah, we done it last, probably finished it, like finished mixing it and stuff probably about last, I don't know, October or September or something. We done it last May and it was just because of the release schedule that we had to, to wait, but we were kind of happy to do that because, you know, it was, you know, obviously coming out on 12 inch vinyl and stuff. So, I mean, that was really... It was a very nice bonus that we were happy to wait for, kind of thing. Some of the vinyl sold out as well, hasn't it? Like the the, the kind of special print of it. Yeah, it's quite cool. Very cool. It's like yeah, yeah. kind of translucent. -y. I've not actually seen that version in in the flesh. Is it you? Have you got one, Annie? Did you not get one in the end? I just asked for a regular. I just asked for a sort of regular black one. I I'll need to bring mine next week, but um, I'm quite glad we went for that kind of color i mean it's kind of a color it's translucent but yeah i think it, it fits quite well with the artwork i was really pleased with how it came out um it's nice that anyone is actually buying it i feel like that with anything i do it's always like it's always a really good feeling and i, I try not to take it for granted because if any, if anyone likes it it means that you know there's kind of a point to it it's not just kind of indulgent i mean i think writing should always be like good for the person who's writing i think it's a really therapeutic good way of expressing yourself but I just think it always makes so much more sense if like someone in the real world is actually connected to it or, or enjoyed it I think it feels a lot more real and tangible yeah yeah it makes you feel like a human being doesn't it you're like oh people <laughs> sharing, sharing in what we've been feeling kind of thing did you notice anything about the record when you heard it on vinyl or the music rather I, I mean I was really happy with how it turned out on the the vinyl and and but we kind of always had it in mind that we wanted to 
to make it like that again like we spoke about the other week with the catholic action stuff it was like we very much wanted to make something that was just kind of worked as like a as a full as a full thing and 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 we always intended or hoped that we could get someone to to press it up for us apologies if this is slightly negative but i think on the other hand anytime i hear anything i've been on i also can always hear what I could have done better or sung or played better and I don't know if that's just sort of a, a pessimistic outlook but I can always just I'm always really acutely aware of um, if like a note's not quite right or if I'm just but then I guess that just makes you want to get it more right on the next thing I don't know if that's just being I don't know what what you feel about that Chris. No I'm totally the same there's like a few bits where I'm like oh I could have definitely sung that better but I think in the moment it was obviously right for us and it's. I think it's a really healthy thing to do uh, as a musician. Uh, it's a really healthy thing, sorry, to be able to let go of stuff. Like mm. to be able to go, do you know what? Actually, that is fine. That's That was right in the moment and there's obviously some kind of merit to that. And I was really, like I was saying earlier, I'm really bad for it or certainly was really bad for getting too perfectionist about it. And I think that's kind of, that's a real danger in, being able to know how to record and, and having the equipment in your home, you know, you don't really have a time limit. Mm. And and sometimes something that you think is like really offensive to yourself, something that makes you cringe about what you've done will not make like a lot of other people feel like that, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I remember bits bits that you were like, oh, I'm not doing this well enough. And me being like, maybe we're all quite quite acutely aware of our own flaws and our own shortcomings yeah when to everyone else it sounds fine i mean that was again i think something that we really got from this project is like well we were working together it was it was that you know really you really kept like kept things moving like when one of us would get into that kind of oh is this good enough or is this right it was it's, it's great to to have the other person to to bounce off of you know someone that you trust to just be like it's totally fine and then you know you you put the issue to bed kind of thing and I guess that's part you know listening to it now or whatever and if there was you know there was a bit that you're like oh I could have sang that better or whatever it's kind of I mean I guess that's that's part and part and parcel of us wanting to make something that was human sounding I mean I guess Mm. it wouldn't really be human sounding if we were like steely dan levels of perfection or like (laughs) super super modern pop kind of like mcdonald's music mcdonald's music (laughs) yes it's what i call it now like that just kind of chart music because you go into mcdonald's i quite often get a mcdonald's breakfast if i'm working at chem 19 because there's one really conveniently located and it gives me a good motivation to get out of bed so i'll go i'll get i'll get my egg mcmuffin and i mean i haven't been sitting in for a while obviously because of the rona but um you know, you sit and you like listen to like three or four songs in a row, and you're just like, "Is this the same person? <laughs> it's probably the same songwriters, same team of songwriters, yeah. probably very similar producers." And it's just, it's so soulless. It's just like hyper capitalist music, and it's just, just really, really, really overdone to the point of it just kind of sounds like, I don't know. You can just imagine it all being like. And, it, and anyone anyone could have sung it <laughs> no. as well. Like, they're just throwing these songs around. I mean, it's probably a sign that it's like an efficiently made kind of industrial thing. But it's just any number of people could have sung on it. And I think that as well, it's just the throwing, throwing it around. 
um, without it being about the artist as much. The major label <laughs> industrial complex. That's the next. That's the name of the album. The next album. <laughs> I did, yeah, like you say though, I think there is something weirdly interesting about this idea of the perfect pop song and something that's kind of perfectly structured and it's perfectly produced and the melodies sound perfect. And it is. It's, it does get to that point where it's weirdly not human, but there is still something about it that's oddly interesting. I don't know what it is. I can't quite put my finger on it. Maybe it's like an uncanny <laughs> valley thing. You're like, is this is this an AI or is it Billy Eilish? I like Bi- I like Billy Eilish. Something some like of that. Their stuff, well, their stuff is like, yeah, kind of interesting. I don't dislike Billy Eilish. That was just the one that. Okay, well, Sam Smith, someone like that. Yeah, there, I, yeah. There was yeah, definitely elements of Billy Eilish that that I couldn't listen to the whole album, but there was like some st- obviously like you have to respect what they're doing and stuff. But you know what I mean? I'm just like generic, I'm trying to think of music that's on quite regularly i think some of the stuff they do is really inventive though like the kind of production techniques i've watched quite a few videos by him and the stuff they do where they like sample like road traffic noises and like use matches as a snare sound and stuff and kind of just working in all these weird is that the pitchfork video uh one of the yeah there is a pitchfork one year where he speaks about the matches there's another one where they're in his house and stuff as well yeah now maybe billy eilish was a terrible example i'm sorry because yeah it was no, like the <laughs> most indie the most indie creative pop Person. Halsey. I know. I know exactly. <laughs> There's I know one. Ex- I'm sure there are some. There are definitely some. You know, there's definitely been a team of people at major labels around the world over the past like year or two since she's came out trying to design an AI that that makes music that's almost identical but isn't so identical that you get sued for it. <laughs> that's the thing. though whenever something like this comes along, there's always a bunch of weird kind of major label knockoffs that are. But it's weird to think that these artists are people. Like they're actually. They're not like a an AI thing. They're actually people that are living lives, but it just sounds so oddly like false and artificial. Like it's not. It's not like you're buying off brand cereal. Like this is a person with hopes and dreams. <laughs> so see, you know, because uh. we're like, because we're on like, you know, like a really small indie label. Does that make us like the equivalent of like, are we like Aldi music? Are we like cost <laughs> at like Lidl, Lidl rock kind of thing? Lidl. Do you say Lidl? I've always yeah. been a little. A little person. I always get into people always pick up on that. <laughs> I say Lidl and I say Aldi. Um and I say Primark. Do you say Primark? I think it's Primark, isn't it? See, I don't know. I where I'm from <laughs> I say uh Primark and Lidl. <laughs> it's like Bowie or Bowie though, isn't it? Yeah, I say Annie, you say Bowie. I've I've noticed that. I noticed that you I say think Bowie. It's because I I said Bowie for for a long time and my dad always said Bowie and then I think I saw in an interview somewhere that he says his name Bowie so then I like it's the same with like Aldous Harding I think I keep getting her name wrong I think it might actually be Aldous but maybe it's like an Aldi Aldi little Lidl situation I don't know I think I'm the same as you though I used to say Bowie and then when I saw him saying it Bowie I started saying Bowie but then I know people with the same last name up back in Aberdeen who I would say Bowie but because that's how they pronounce it. I think I just go with how the person says it. I used to say um, Chris McCrory, but now I just say Chris McCrory. Because that's, that's more right, <laughs> yeah, it's, isn't it? Yeah, it's actually Chris. My name is actually Chris. <laughs> <laughs> There's a line in Great White Mail I wanted to pick up on, actually. It puts the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. How long have you been wanting to transplant that phrase into a song for? Yeah, I know. It's amazing. You're one of only... There's a there's a, a a small elite club of people that have got that reference, and you're you're now one of them. I'm amazed that more people haven't picked up on it. 
I think that's pretty in the culture, isn't it? I know. Well, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Didn't Family Guy do a riff on it as well? Probably. I'm sure South Park did as well. Are you are you listening out for things like that though? Like, did you when? I, actually, yeah. When did you think I want to put that in a song? That phrase from that film it just popped in when we were when we were writing it. I think it just there wasn't really again there wasn't like any conscious thought about it. It was more like it was just oh that sounds cool, and it kind of works with what we're saying. It, it was approved by Annie. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Barely at the time, I was like, "What the? What the hell?" <laughs> but no, I'm glad. I'm really glad that you came up with it. And I also really like um, the title "Great White Male." That was a Chris creation. I think it's quite clever. Has that been used anywhere else? Uh, don't, I've not seen it anywhere else. I mean, probably because it's you know the whole internet so maybe it feels like one of those perfect phrases though that you think this must have been used somewhere then when you look it up you can't find anything about it like one of those ideas that you have you think someone else must have thought of this but they haven't (laughs) yeah well that's what we thought with the band name it just we just kind of came up with it and then we thought oh no surely there must be another band called this i don't think there is because we had a couple of other names initially but i'm kind of glad we didn't go with those we didn't we didn't have a name for fucking ages oh it took so long it took so long i was i was always of the belief that you, it it will just come to you eventually like so i i would never like you kind of wanted to think of a band name and i was never like no no, no i don't want to actively think of one it will just it will just pop in to our heads at some point and it did eventually it just took forever what were those other names you had at the start <laughs> make america great again that was that was one. I know you were really big on that anime. I said it probably wouldn't fly. Um, no, that, that's 2001 like... Space Odyssey, like, slash my birthday. Yeah. That was an, another good one. Um, that was a reference to the 2001 joke earlier, by the way. I'm sorry for all the bad, <laughs> bad banter. I can't even remember. I think we were going to call ourselves after an Aldous Harden song as well, and then we thought, nah, we can't do that. It's too, it's too soon. Yeah, I was kind of like... Uh, yeah we're both quite big fans of her so i was like let's let's keep it keep it fresh you know keep it original i don't know if that's too soon if you think like radiohead are named after a talking heads song that must have been within 10 years of that song coming out right yeah but ours ours would have been within two years if we thought of that. yeah i guess it's a wee bit <laughs> i mean that's the thing is we could always use thing we were thinking we could always use it another time where chris you could use it for something because i think it was cool but i think weirdly slow weather just um yeah it was a moment of like right that that definitely makes sense that works and it it had taken so many months up to that point that i don't know why it felt so natural after all the band names that were rejected we had faith in the process and the name came to us after a long wait had you had you already kind of mapped out what you wanted the soundscape of it to be because it feels like it really suits the atmosphere of the band well i mean we didn't have the name till after everything was recorded that that makes sense then yeah because it kind of feels like it comes out of that really bad for this I, like I, for, I didn't decide on the name catholic action until i was on the phone with a promoter and he wanted to print a poster so i had to tell him what the name of the band was and i decided sort of there and then on the spot no in fact no i decided another name and then two minutes later i called him back and said no 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 this is the name of the band <laughs> what was the other name Ugh, it was i don't even want to say it, it was crap it was um the little mermaid Cri- little mermaid <laughs> was it actually no nah, no nah, i'm looking <laughs> So was this project started before or after Annie, your last EP? Because you you worked on that together, right? Yeah, this was was actually after because when we were working on that EP, I think we got on quite well and 
just floated the idea of maybe writing something at some point. I don't think we'd ever planned on doing an entire record. I mean, I'm glad we did, but it, again, it was just a sort of, oh, well, next time you're in Glasgow kind of thing, we'll maybe do some writing. Because the EP was, was also, it was very different, but it was really fun to do and very, um, a lot of the stuff for it, I'd written really last minute right before. So I didn't really have any, I had a rough idea of how I wanted it to sound, but I wasn't like, it needs to sound exactly like this with these exact elements. It, again, it was quite experimental. So I think that works quite well. Uh, but yeah, th then we sort of agreed to, to meet up and write after that. Did the dynamic feel quite different when it was working on Slow Weather as opposed to your EP? Like the energy in the room? Yeah, it, in, a, in a good way though. It was, it was just different in a good way. Because I, I enjoyed both experiences, but I think the the slow weather one we've discussed this before but it was just um we didn't have any prescribed this needs to be done by this certain point and this needs to sound like this and it was very much just hopefully a good amalgam of both our uh, styles and processes and yeah I just remember getting on the train after the first writing session and listening to to the first song we'd done and just feeling quite quite excited about it. So that first song was Want to Know? Yeah. How, how many songs did you write for this? Was it just the five or did you have more to kind of choose from and narrow it down a wee bit? I think it really was just the five. I think we just wrote enough and then we just decided, oh, let's just go and record this now. This seems like a good amount. <laughs> there really wasn't a lot of putting loads together and then planning things. It was just, yeah, this just feels right. Let's just do it. It's very efficient. Yeah. It was super, super duper efficient. The, the studio sessions themselves were like, for the slow weather stuff, were more intense i was like engineering and playing on it as opposed to like just engineering and producing kind of thing yeah and i don't really um i really don't consider myself a keys player and i, I just remember playing a lot of keys on it which was quite weird like do you remember the piano chris at the studio just trying me trying to get like one take but just trying it over and over and over till it got that kind of repetitive riff and the then right feel, yeah. yeah just just other bits of the EP where weirdly it just, yeah, I just thought I'll try and do some little riff writing for this. But yeah, it was challenging because I'm not, I think first and foremost, I try and be like a songwriter slash singer. So I think sometimes instrumental stuff can be challenging for me, but I think that's the only way to, to get better is to just put yourself in situations where you're slightly outside your comfort zone. Like sometimes it can make you feel really, um, <laughs> really panicky and really like you don't know what you're doing but I think it's always worth it it's always worth it to just push yourself yeah it's worth it in the end like even in the moment it can be like difficult or I can just be being a grumpy dick about it <laughs> um because you know you know that like the idea is there and the songs are good enough you just need to push yourself until you get that moment that where it just clicks and you know it's right comes back to it feeling organic again though that idea of having to kind of work at it and, and get it right yeah exactly there wasn't like it wasn't yeah it wasn't like a heavy editing thing at all it really was just kind of playing it singing it till it was right again like we we spent we spent proper time on it but it wasn't like a crazy amount of time i mean we really did like we wrote all of the songs that we wrote we'd meet up we'd hang out for about i don't know three or four hours and then we'd go to the pub and because we'd, <laughs> we'd always we always did it we like we met up five times and each time we wrote a song in a few hours and then we went to the pub. The recording itself, yeah, we worked hard on it, but we didn't. It's not like we spent months on it or anything. It really was 
those 10 days and then a, a few days uh, at mine to do a couple more overdubs and then mix it. It wasn't really like, it wasn't super laborious. It was just sort of hard work at the time, but it wasn't. There's a lot of um good food places around that bit. A lot of good, uh, I think there was some good Turkish food. Am I making that up? There was Turkish, Turkish yeah, food. Yeah, there was loads of really good Turkish places. I had some really good pad thai, being all hipster. Um, But yeah, that's one of my main memories from that <laughs> that time. Is the food? Yeah, good, good food and beer and smoking in the park. <laughs> uh, as you got to know each other better, you know, through the process of writing these songs and then working on them in the studio and stuff, how did that bleed into the music and impact the kind of songwriting itself? Because we've been friends for a wee while now, it sort of does help. The more you, yeah, the more you trust the other person, if they're like, try it like in that way. And if initially you're like, I don't see how it would work in that way, but okay, I'll give it a go. Then then it, when it inevitably does work, it kind of makes you go, right, I thought about this in a different way and and it worked. The other person's idea was, was really good. So I think the more you kind of trust the other person, you can end up with quite cool effects. Or, or even just, um, you know, I think Chris has done a lot of good stuff, but for me, this was, it was a really fun uh, process and maybe a slightly less like serious process in terms of the the tone and themes of the music. I think there's still a kind of a dark feeling to a lot of the EP, but I think there's a lot of fun and levity as well. And I think some of my other stuff can just be quite depressing. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of just trusting um, the other person and their ideas was was really good for me. Yeah, I'd say the same. It's just nice. It was just nice to be in a position where you just. You, you just trust someone musically because the older I've got the more experienced I've got the more you 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 come to kind of cherish those kind of relationships because they're a lot rarer than you think you can't you can't just sit down and write a song with anyone it doesn't always work like that it, you have to it, I don't know like I mean you could probably force something out but it might not be that good whereas it is actually quite rare to meet someone that you can kind of honestly back things back and forth and, and be open and honest about what you actually think about it and not you know hurt someone's feelings or whatever like it's it's that's but you have to be able to do that do you know what i mean if you're working together it has to be like a collaborative effort where you where you feel like you can say that you don't like something or vice versa and, and it not to end up in a fight and that is a lot rarer than you think yeah, and it's not always plain sailing. Like, obviously, there have been challenging moments, but I think, like you say, if, if overall you've got a good a vision for the whole thing and an idea of, oh, we're both, this is going to kind of work. Um, and in a weird way, sometimes if, if you're in a band of a lot of people, that's a lot of different opinions and ideas. And yeah, that can lead to something really cool. But sometimes if it's only two people, it, it, you know, it can maybe be slightly more cohesive in, in the final the final idea i don't know what you guys think but just it's actually maybe easier in a way yeah definitely because i don't think you can make i sometimes think with some bands it can be too much like a committee and things get watered down sometimes some committees are better than others do you know what i mean like some bands well again let's talk about radioheads are obviously as a as a collective of five people they just work amazingly well together and they balance each other out and they accentuate each other's, you know, strengths. Some bands might be like, you know, like a band leader and then more of a backing band kind of situation. And some bands are kind of a mix of both. But no, again, it's just like, it's actually, I, I think I've found it to be a very rare thing for me. And maybe it's just because I'm 
I am kind of a slight, <clears throat> slightly awkward guy in some, in some respects, and I'm quite shy in, in some respects too. I, can't, I don't always find people that I can just click with musically. Yeah, and Chris, when you met me, you were like, wow, she's like, she's ice cool. She's just the coolest cat I've ever met. Like, ice so cool. cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. We just, we just, we just, we just <laughs> got on. I thought we just got on. We kind of got on not only musically, but as people. And again, like, it's just, it's, like, it's a rare, it's a rare thing for me, I think, to just click with people musically. Not in a production sense, like, I can go in and produce with anyone, really. But that's different if it's like, but I find it rare to meet people that I can be really collaborative with. Yeah, um, that's really kind to say that. Yeah. Yeah. I can collaborate with anyone production wise or recording wise, I would say, or, or, or most people probably, if it's stuff that I'm into. But yeah, songwriting wise, you have to, because it's much more personal. It's just rarer, you know. Do you think some people maybe struggle to understand that away, but that idea that you can't always work not everyone you know works together because I often think about that when I hear you know two different bands speak about the same producer and one band will absolutely rave about the experience and the other won't have enjoyed it do do people struggle to maybe get that a wee bit that idea that you can't work with everyone in a songwriting sense yeah I think it can take years to work that out and I think it it often is about what's the best fit And and I don't even think it's about the perfect fit I think it's about what makes the most sense and and where the kind of most interesting moments come from it's it's not like saying other producers or other experiences are necessarily bad but it's just about like a a good a good combo of personality and work ethic and but it's also pros and cons it doesn't mean that everything is going to be absolutely you know 100% agreeing on everything because that's not a creative process you're always going to disagree on on some things but if you if you agree on the most important things I think that yeah that that really 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 helps and often like occasionally I've been in the position where it's been yeah slightly slightly more difficult or just not quite quite right yeah I mean I think I guess it's like relationship a creative relationship in that yeah it's almost how well you handle conflict that's a huge like a huge um impactor on on whether or not something works it's like it's not whether or not you have an argument it's like how well you can resolve an argument uh that keeps that keeps a collaborative situation healthy because i because you need it you need to like you don't want to be in a band or write songs for people that just either agree with everything you say or or you feel that you're walking on eggshells with because it's just it's just it's just not healthy and again it's like i've learned that from experience like the older i've got the more i'm like actually it's pretty rare to for me to to in a songwriting capacity to to meet people that i feel that i can be like that with and i, and I can definitely be like that with you and i don't feel that we can i don't feel that like i'd have to like not say something yeah yeah i think that it's definitely more worthwhile to 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 sort of be honest about the stuff because you're all, you're never going to regret that honesty. Um, I think it will always lead to a, a better, at least, or more honest experience. Um, I will say that for the recording stuff I've done, though, like thinking about it, I mean, I've, I've been quite lucky in a lot of the ex- uh, experiences I've had where I've worked with with people I really like that have kind of it's kind of worked in that situation. But I think it can also depend on what role you're in. I think 
you know, because I've been a like a backing vocalist um, in another band I'm in. I mean, that's just a completely different process because I I don't expect to, you know, like lead that situation. That's just not the the role that I have there. But you know, if it's just my solo stuff, it's completely different to to that kind of thing. And then Slow Weather was was just somewhere in the middle where we were both kind of just equally trying to agree things. Obviously, Chris was the producer, so he was you know, producing the bulk of it. Um, but yeah, just, just, we were trying to like both agree on things. So that was just quite, quite a different approach. It was interesting as well, how you mentioned about conflict there, Chris, and how it's about how you handle conflict. Do the pair of you, do you both handle conflict in quite a similar way or do you have quite different approaches to it? It really depends. Like, like depends how tired we both are. (laughs) (laughs) I think we probably handle it fairly similarly. It's like something you feel really personal about and close to, but then also you just you, you wouldn't want to be a dick about it either. I think so. I think we, I mean, we obviously we obviously do because obviously we've worked together a lot now, and we're both really proud of the records that we've done. So, you know, there's that. Yeah, I mean, I can be, I can definitely be oversensitive, and I can be, um, you know, I can be closed in some ways where I where I won't let an idea go so if I've got an idea of something I want in my head occasionally I'll be like oh but I like it this way um and sometimes it's just sometimes I do prefer it the way I had in my head and other other times I'm wrong so it's just trying to be aware of my own yeah my own flaws the things that are maybe kind of not particularly helpful um but but I think everybody's got those so it's just trying to remember that sometimes it's just yeah like you're a bit tired or you know you you're just frustrated by your own limitations it's not I think that's one thing is one thing I try and remember and and sometimes I fail at it but it's not always just that the situation is is so-called bad like sometimes it can just be the mindset you're in and uh, other times it can just be the combination of personalities in the room that maybe just isn't working like it's not necessarily like one of the two people is is absolutely wrong or right um there's so many different factors to to remember and that kind of keeps you sane when you come away from a a practice or a recording session you can kind of remember that yeah at the end of the day you're just trying to trying to keep keep hold of all those uh factors yeah i think as long as you're at the end of the day like as long as your point as long as you're both pulling in the same direction and you both have the same goal in mind then you can kind of get through it and you believe in the goal kind of thing and you believe in the songs and things like that. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.